Hello and welcome to a Hoover Institution Roundtable discussion on Reagan's Soviet policy as a guide to dealing with Iran, North Korea, and other rogue regimes. Our speaker in this recording is Abraham Sofer, the George P. Schultz Distinguished Scholar and a Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution. From 1985 to 1990, he served as a legal advisor to the U.S. Department of State. His remarks were recorded on March 23, 2016. I benefited a lot from Secretary Schultz, uh, the experience with Secretary Schultz. He wrote the foreword to the book, and, um, and Abbas Milani especially, uh, who um, I think it's very important that he, he be here today because of this very interesting idea that uh, Paul and Yuri have put forward about are there principles that could be applied, uh, could be applied to... Um, Iran and other countries. I'm going to focus my comments on Iran because uh, that is what I know the most about. Um, I think that uh, it's important to remember Harry uh, Rowan because one of the things he said that struck me, and it's included in our book about preventive force, uh, he said that um, when you don't act, it's an action. It's a very important principle that, that the failure to act is as, as consequential as, an, as acting, and therefore you shouldn't uh, think you can build an ideolo ideology, a strategy around uh, passivity. Uh, and this was a fundamental insight, I think, that Harry gave us all and uh, underlies the book. In other words, uh, I agree with Mike that uh, principles that you establish for negotiating and for trying to achieve diplomatic objectives uh, don't have to, won't necessarily work every time you apply them. Sometimes they will work. Uh, sometimes they won't work. And the principles of strength against the Soviet Union uh, began with Harry Truman. Uh, it wasn't invented by Ronald Reagan. Um, and they, it was a bipartisan policy that was followed through. And there came a time when those principles worked because the circumstances were, were right. Uh, as, as Mike said, but those were the right principles, uh, standing up to the Soviet Union, strengthening ourselves, and when we fell away from them, they took advantage. Um, and when we enforced them properly, we created a situation, or at least we were created the possibility of success um, <laughs> if the circumstances permitted that success. Now, I think it's very important to remember also uh, that not only did we do the things that George mentioned, but we supported regimes and also opponents of regimes with arms. Uh, we actually, uh, uh, in Afghanistan, of course, we made the Soviets themselves bleed. In other countries, we made their allies bleed. This was not, uh, is not just a matter of argumentation with the Soviets. It was uh, actual policies where we forced them to pay consequences. And this was very important. Now, my point is that while we uh, had a pretty consistent policy vis-a-vis -vis the Soviets, we consistently failed to apply the principles of strength and diplomatic engagement with Iran. And that's true of even the Reagan administration. Um, George pointed out that the Iranians were funding and uh, supporting all sorts of terrorist actions, including the ones in Lebanon, which you'll remember, where we used a lot of rhetoric. We did all the things that, that, that um, 
President Reagan explicitly avoided with the Soviet Union of pretense, bluff, um, uh, linkage. We're not going to talk to you uh, because you're such a bad country, you're doing such bad things. We, we absolutely abandoned those principles. And um, I would like to uh, go over those principles in addition to strength, which included, of course, force, as I said, and sanctions, until um, Condi Rice uh, turned the policy of not talking to the Iranians around by agreeing to talk with the Europeans as, as a group, and the Europeans then agreed to multilateralize the sanctions, we were getting nowhere with Iran. And it was that ratcheting up of strength that created the opportunity for real diplomacy. Now, what we did throughout this, we had, there are five principles that I identified that I thought we did right in the, in the um, Reagan administration. And um, my boss here led that effort. So uh, he um, has read my book, and he is, uh, I think he concurs in these five principles. The first was rhetorical restraint. He mentioned that. And that was, don't boast. Don't uh, agitate uh, and don't embarrass the person you're trying to convince to do something for you. Because they, everyone has a constituency they have to answer to. And the Soviets, of course, had a massive constituency, a very difficult one, as do the Iranians. And so every time uh, they did something for uh, Reagan and, and Schultz, uh, we were careful not to boast about it. We thanked them. And uh, that went down to the Danilov affair, with which we, we uh, established a great relationship between the two secretaries of, of state. Um, another thing, and that's exactly the opposite of what we did with Iran. Every time we achieved even a minor victory with Iran, we boasted. And every administration did that. Second thing is regime engagement. Now, Yuri uh, pointed out that uh, regime change is our ultimate objective with the Soviet Union. I think that's right. Uh, he, he, he made that very clear. But there's a difference between regime acceptance and regime engagement. Um, we dealt with the Soviet regime in every way at every level. We did not, we helped them in court <coughs> by preventing these crazy actions that uh, just disrupt uh, the situation when you're trying to solve something diplomatically and actually get relief for people uh, instead of getting judgments that are non-enforceable. And we did a lot of other things to uh, engage them in a professional diplomatic manner. That's the way we dealt with them. The third principle was limited linkage. Now, what does that mean? After the Korean airliner was shot down, Schultz had a real problem. How can I talk to these guys after that event? And he didn't just passively engage in talking to the Soviets. He actually went to the president, and he got the president's approval to talk to the Soviets despite the shootdown of the Korean airliner. Because we were doing other things to make them pay for that, embarrassing them, et cetera, and all kinds of other things. So he went to Congress with the president's approval, and I quote his testimony at length in my book, because it's so relevant to this. And he said, 
It's just going to hurt us to link these two things. We want to talk to them. We want to tell them how wrong they are. We want to tell them what they have to do to get back on track and, to, and what they're doing wrong in their country, what they're doing wrong everywhere else. It would hurt us to have limited, to have linkage. And what I think is, in fact, I'm really quite convinced that it's weakness that leads, leads administrations to refuse to talk to other states. Weakness. Because if you're not going to do anything, you don't want to talk. You don't want to go talk to someone and then be in a position where you really can't make a threat. You can't say what you're going to do because you're not willing to do anything. So naturally, the way you hide that is to say, ah, we're not going to talk to you. You're so bad. And that's really, it's the heart, the essence of, of, of uh, uh, linkage is weakness. You just don't have anything to say. Now, broad agenda, that also has been used in a way linkage and stuff. What Mike said is absolutely correct. The catastrophe imposed on us by this administration's decision to make a separate nuclear deal is not the nuclear deal itself. It's the acceptance of the principle that we would not put on the table and insist that we talk about the human rights of Iranians, that we talk about missiles that could deliver nuclear weapons 10 years from now when they can start actually putting them into place. That, is, that was a, a terrible, terrible decision and completely inconsistent with what we did with the Soviets and totally consistent, incidentally, with what we did with the Iranians in all the other administrations before this one. Finally, forum flexibility, the fifth principle of diplomacy that I feel we need to address and that we learn in the Reagan administration. We need to talk to our enemies, not just in a formal manner in front of the cameras and back and forth, jumping in and out of meetings. And you're, Every time you go to a meeting like that, the first thing you want to do before you go in the meeting, naturally, as a diplomat, say, we're not going to give up anything. And the last thing you do is you come out of the meeting, you say, we didn't give up anything. It's the worst kind of diplomacy. You want to have secret meetings. You want to have meetings at every level. You want to have people in private sector meeting with other people in the private sector from those other countries. So you want to have forum flexibility. My problem is the question that here is that in my book, I advocate strength, and then I advocate this thoroughgoing diplomacy. And I find some people are all for the strength part, and then other people are all for the diplomacy part, or at least for some of the diplomacy part, because they want to give up linkage and other things like that. And I tell you, you need them all. You need strength and diplomacy, as Secretary Schultz has repeatedly said. <laughs> and we made a mistake in the Reagan administration not applying strength or diplomacy as a result uh, in, to the Iranians. In fact, remember Iran-Contra. It was, it was, this is the kind of level of, of diplomacy we had with, with Iran while we were doing so well with the Soviet Union. So it's, it's a very important thing to remember these, the, the principles that we applied with the Soviets and see how far we departed from them. Now, what happened to me after I wrote this book, was I heard from my colleagues in the Reagan administration, and they said the Iranians are different. And that's really what I think 
has driven some of the conservative opposition to talking to the Iranians. Oh, they're sneaky. You know, it goes back to Herodotus. I think, you know, Abbas agrees with me. It goes back to Herodotus. He's written an essay about this. It goes back to this notion of the barbarians. And we know, yeah, the Greeks used barbaros, and it's different from our understanding of barbarian. But he was insulting to the Iranians. They're degenerate. You know, they do this, they do that, they lie. Who doesn't lie? I mean, really, the State Department, I remember when I, when I was negotiating all over the place, I, there's a study in the State Department of how different countries conduct diplomacy. And it's classified, but you can go read those studies and you'll see that, you know, there's quite a few countries that take liberties with the things they say in diplomacy. The Persians really are interesting. They, are, they, do, they do negotiate differently. They will ask you for $10 when they know that they should be asking you for $1. They do that. That's how they start. And Americans are not like that. They get turned off by that. Since I'm basically Iraqi, you know, <laughs> I don't get turned off by that. I'm used to it. You know, I just am used to it. I say, oh, yeah, really? We'll give you 10 cents. <laughs> and, you know, that's exactly. And they, they act offended. You know, it's really going to put on quite an act. And you learn how to deal with that. That's the way Iranians negotiate. But the essence of it's no different. The essence of it is no different. You pocket what you can. You give up as little as you can, and you get as much as you can. And they're, the, they're professional about it. The guy I dealt with for five years, who was the legal advisor in the foreign ministry, was trained at the Sorbonne. He was a very intelligent guy, dean of the law school at Tehran. I think we could negotiate them. I think we should never have agreed to take this other stuff off the table. And if we could only get back into the understanding that these principles if you apply them to Iran, have a chance of working. Mike, I agree with you. It, they may not work. But you know that if you don't accept, if you don't implement these proper, correct principles of diplomacy, you will not succeed. That much you know. Thank you. For more podcasts from the Hoover Institution, please visit hoover.org or Hoover's channels on iTunes, iTunes U, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. I'm Chris Dower for the Hoover Institution. Thanks for listening.